What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Thrive University Podcast. I am your host and Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a very, very, extremely special guest with us today. And I know I say that often, but for real, this one, this one's a special treat. And the man sitting across from me is the one and only Zappy Zappelin. And Zappy is a well-known futurist, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and award-winning filmmaker who is dedicated to the expansion of human consciousness. And Zappy is considered one of the foremost experts in psychedelic therapies and companies. Zappy and his work have been featured in Forbes, Vice, Good Morning America, People Magazine, Business Insider, and more. Zappy, my dude. I like that they're all interested in it. You know what I mean? That's a sign of a new time. So good to be here with you in the post-Michael Pollan Netflix special moment. And then the Aaron Rodgers saying he did plant medicine, had the best season of his life. He's the highest paid guy in the NFL to say that this affected his life in such a positive way. It's like we're living now in tens of millions of people seeing that special. So we had recorded this a couple months ago, not as impactful. That's true. That's true. And and I think that's a, actually a great place to start because I think a lot of people saw the story on Aaron Rodgers come out. He was on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about how mushrooms and ayahuasca impacted his life so much and he was already at the top of his game he was already a super bowl mvp however this medicine allowed him to tap in to his heart to build that unconditional love for himself which he was then able to give to all of his teammates everyone in his life when you're able to operate with that abundance of love and inner peace everything else is going to be a reflection of that. Back to 1964, you were born. 66. Six, sorry. You weren't born with the name Zappy. No, technically no. Okay. Uh, so, so I think it would be, I think it would be just cool just to provide a little context on that and how that evolution kind of happened before we continue diving deep into the power of these medicines. Yes. Uh, my, so my personal journey was that I, my first name is Mike. And so when I went to work on wall street out of school, there were so many Mikes because in that time, so many people had named their kid Mike in my era that they're all over the place. So it was like, you needed a nickname to be differentiated. So you didn't have some problem about who said what. And so of course I could have been Mike Z or whatever, but all my whole life, people have been calling me zap or zappy when I'm a kid. And, uh, so at a certain point, I was just like, I'm going to embrace Zappy. Like, this is just like, avoid all the confusion. So I started doing that. And uh, my confirmation was, uh, I, did a, I was, did a lot of work with Deepak Chopra. And uh, I went to a party for his peace book that he was bringing out. And Madonna came to the party. She's a friend of Deepak's. And I was hanging out with them. And Deepak introduced me. And he goes, oh, this is our friend Zappy. And she's like, oh, Zappy, I like that. And I was like, oh shit, Madonna just like sanctioned the name. Like, I'm like, that's it. I'm like, never gonna be called Mike. I'm just like gonna go Zappy. And and part, you know, the glasses, it's the same thing. It's like when I look in the mirror and I have these glasses on, I can't take myself a hundred percent serious. 
Mm. And I think that's the problem that society is having right now. People are having, it's like, this is not serious. You're in a miracle. You know, you're getting oxygen from the atmosphere because the sun's like 93 million miles away. You're, you know, speaking on the cell phone in China in real time video. It's like, this is a miracle. And the psychedelics reconnect you to that miracle. Because you get jaded, the illusion, the Maya, it's so good. It really looks like there's separation space between us. Uh, so you get tricked. And the psychedelics reconnect you. And you go, oh, yes, I'm in a miracle. And then you carry that around in your life. And that's what's happening with the microdosing, large dosing, whatever it is, ketamine, psilocybin, ayahuasca, ibogaine. They're like, in my opinion, like you said, they're basically like, when you do a compound, you're taking some filters off because you're a human being. You're like filtering for danger all the time. So you're like, somebody walks over here, you're like, oh, what's that? And so when you do, let's say you smoke some cannabis, maybe 10 filters come off and you're like, oh, wow, the music sounds really good. The, wow, look at the light over there. That's so cool. And then maybe the psilocybin takes a hundred, you know, a thousand filters off. Now you're like, wow, like, you know, this is a flexible reality situation. Mm. And then there's some things like ketamine or ibogaine that can like take all the filters off. And now you're like in ketamine, I've noticed you go to a pre-human, you're non-human, you're not thinking through your human filter. And I think that's why to me, ketamine's probably going to save society because Western medicine, the fact that it's FDA approved, Schedule right. 3, you go to a doctor's office, it's very approachable. And this is why when, when Lamar Odom came to me and I started to you know, work with him in a psychedelic program with my team, that when, I did, when we did that, we uh, came up with a formula for him, which was basically ketamine plus plant medicine plus a daily practice like meditation or breathing mm. equals a conscious transformation. And I knew I couldn't just bring him down to Mexico to do Ibogaine. He wouldn't have done it. His family wouldn't have let me. But it was like, okay, he can go to a Western medicine doctor's office, have this unique experience right. of going inside, feel safe, be safe. And so when he did that, you know, and Lamar always told me, you know, he had always been told, like, don't do psychedelics. Like, because if something bad happens and you freak out, or, you know, a cop sees you, they could like shoot you or you could be put in a mental institution. And it's one of the things I think in psychedelics that we, as a, as a psychonauts, we have to change this and make sure that there's like availability and, you know, non-judgment and just spaces that people can do these in the right context. So they get, it's like creating the best set and setting for all types of different people. Maybe it's veterans, maybe it's women, maybe it's, you know, different nationalities, but to be within that, because that after you have your psychedelic experience, you get reconnected, then you're not going to be as tied into like the physical aspects of whatever, you know, group you're, or, you know, tradition, you're going to be looser in that. So I'm just psyched, you know, this is like, finally, you know, the, the silver lining on the pandemic is people started taking their mental health really serious and realizing that you couldn't go back and just do talk therapy and pharmaceuticals there had to be like some new paradigm smasher yeah that's a good silver lining for sure mm -hmm. you know there's a few but i definitely think that brought this to the surface even more yeah right is the amount of people struggling and suffering and all of the turmoil in the world and i think plant medicines and psychedelics 
I don't want to say came to the rescue. I, I think I can, we can say that. They're but coming th- to the rescue. I think so much of the stigma these last three years has been removed. And I just see a lot of momentum in the space. Now, you just went on a beautiful, I don't want to say rant, but a beautiful uh, journey of words. Um, I want to kind of piggyback what you were saying in regards to these medicines, whether it's ayahuasca or mushrooms. And one of the powerful things that these compounds do is they deactivate the default mode network, Mm. which Michael Pollan touches on in his book, right? And this is the area of the brain that's between the cerebral cortex and the amygdala that consumes a ton of our energy ruminating and dwelling on the past or worrying about the future. Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot of people who struggle with bad depression or anxiety, they have hyperactive default mode networks. And then these medicines come in and they basically reduce blood flow to that area and they loosen the ego's grip on the machinery of the mind, Yes, which is where all the magic happens. And I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned Wall Street, okay? You mentioned that, you know, you were on Wall Street and you wanted to f- kind of find a way to stand out, to be different. What was that experience like in Wall Street? You had success, right? You had some material success. It's just interesting that you came from that world. Yes. Right? Yeah. And now you're here as this powerful voice for the psychedelic revolution, you got the zappy shades on, you got the zappy swag. And I'm just curious, like how that journey kind of unfolded. Yeah, that's, well, that is really, I was so glad I got to make the reality of truth film because it really was like my personal experience that I went through where I basically, I, at some point I achieved what society told me to do. You know, I started buying these domain names like beer.com and diamond.com and creditcards.com and I'm making you know, millions of dollars. I'm doing philanthropy. I'm creating, I'm having, you know, like this thing. But at the end of the day, I was still sitting there going, I'm not fulfilled. Like, I'm having cool experiences, but, like, I just did everything society told me to do. Go to school, make money, have a family. All Here I am. I'm not fulfilled. Fuck. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm going to have to go inside of myself to get the answer now to what I'm doing. And I remembered back to my first psychedelic experiences when I was younger that were all but were good. We were really positive, you know. Mm. So, thank goodness that was – I was always in the right set and setting that that already oh, – always went well but I thought to myself you know if I could go inside of myself like I did then but with a very clear intention and maybe be guided by a shaman this would be a really you know potentially life changing life saving thing for me because I just did all this and I'm not you know loving it what year is this just to get a little more clarity this is like I would say uh 2010 was that period. And I thought to myself, you know, and and I started to, uh, let me just tell you my first experience with psychedelics that changed my life was that I did a high dose of mushrooms and I could see that my hand was just trillions of atoms vibrating at a certain frequency. And then I looked at my friend and he was the same atoms, but just a different frequency. 
And then the table, same thing. And I was like, oh my God, like everything's frequency. I could see the in between us, like the field in between us. And I was like, wow, this is, I'll never unsee this. So as soon as I saw it like that, and I realized that, that's why to me, you know, they say fish don't know they're in water and humans don't know they're in plasma, which is the fourth state of water. And it's a fluid state that you can uh, manifest and manipulate the field that's in between, take energy, everything. So as soon as I knew that, I was like, wow, this is like game changing. But later I was like, I have to go back to some state pre-human me all the programming and stuff that was on me i have to go back and try to vibrate at that frequency before all of this conditioning and everything Mm. um so that was really my impetus and then you know i've been asked for like a year to go to this ceremony in topanga canyon with really cool people and i always like like make an excuse at the last minute. And I was like, it was an ayahuasca ceremony. And they were, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do this call and I can't, you know. Because I was, I, 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 A, I was afraid, but two, I wanted it to be like in a perfect situation for me. I wanted to be guided in a way that was like more, you know, intentional. And so I wound up getting the chance to go to Peru, met Michelle Rodriguez uh, through a friend, and she had wanted to do ayahuasca and said she wanted to come on the journey with us. And so once that was in place, I was like, this is my ayahuasca. This is it. I'm going into the jungle with the shaman, going hero dose. Her, Michelle Rodriguez, myself, and this other guy, Dan McMillan, who's a count over in Europe, cool guy. We were the only ones that said, we're going down here to the shaman and to everyone. We said, we're going down here and we're filming this thing. And so we can't come up short. Like we're not going to have a, you know, we didn't get anything experienced. You're going to have to give us like the hero dose. And uh, what does that mean? Hero's dose in regards to ayahuasca? Cause like usually they give you that initial cup, right? And then later on you have the option for a second cup, a third cup. Yeah. This was basically like doing all those cups in one and then doing a second and a third and maybe a third, depending if you needed it, but to make sure that you were, you got all three cups. It was, you know, it was a strong brew. Yeah. yeah it was, and, and it was in the jungle. You know, we had done this incredible trek up to the top of this mountain. We did San Pedro two days earlier. We hiked down this mountain on San Pedro, and like 14,000 feet mountain. Nobody even slipped a step on the way down. Everybody was so tuned into nature. Like you get with San Pedro and Michelle Rodriguez has a thing in the reality of truth where she talks about that was a moment where she shed like 20 years of heavy therapy right there. Mm. And so then a couple of days later, we, we hiked down in the jungle and we sat in a glass structure in the, uh, in the jungle. And it was very intense because you were hearing, you know, sounds of the jungle and you know, if you heard a puma or a snake or whatever, it could have really been it. So it wasn't like right. you were kind of between the two, but it was super powerful experience. Um, and then I just kind of followed Michelle and I, and we had a few more psych- psychedelic experiences in different places with different compounds and things and just followed our lives. And of course, she lost Paul Walker, her friend during that time. Mm. And but she told me when we left uh Peru when we were leaving she said you know what she said for the last number of years I've they've been asking me to be on the writing team with Fast and Furious with the franchise and I always didn't really feel confident that that was my thing and so we 
she goes, I feel confident right now. So, you know, she was, uh, she said, I'm going to take this forward and I'm going to, uh, write with this and be empowered by what I learned in this ayahuasca and the experiences I had and the strength. And so you see that that's what I love about plant medicine, psychedelics is their immediate effect, you know, that you don't have to take six months or a year, yes, you know, even bro. these antidepressants, you have to take those for months at a time to see if they're going to work for you. And then if they don't, you got to go to another one. So it's like, you know, that's building up in your brain that those antidepressants are building up in your brain, building up and they're in your, they're changing your brain chemistry where the psychedelics, the mushrooms, they come out of your body in hours. So this is, you know, when I hear reports that it looks like psychedelic mushrooms are only marginally better than antidepressants, I'm like, let's throw a party because if it's just the same and it doesn't have all the side effects, this is a game changer for mental health. Like yeah. we got to be celebrating like in the streets right now. Yeah. And I think a huge reason why I think you touched on this, a huge reason why mushrooms and some of these other medicines are so potent is because when you take them, you see this higher version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you see that elevated vibration, right, you can't unsee it. Right. So now when you go back to your day-to-day life, you start to notice certain people, certain foods that no longer align with your highest self. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to really have clarity and eliminate those things. And that's why these are so effective, helping people with addiction, alcoholism, and yeah. different mental disorders. Yeah, no, you're hitting it on. When somebody comes at you with something, it's like, hey, you want to do this or that? And you're like, hmm doesn't resonate with me you don't have to like think up the logic of you're just like reacting to the frequency of it and I think you know to me I have a uh, documentary that I'm doing with the team right now where uh, it's all about frequency it's like frequency being the future of everything future of energy future of agriculture future of psychedelics like these are all going to be frequency based delivery and that's how you're going to navigate things and, and change things and so can't wait to see it. Uh, yeah, I have. I've interviewed Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, uh, Nassim Harriman, Greg Braden, Foster and Kimberly Gamble, the Heart Math folks, like all these people that are like frequency centric type right. people. And what I'm finding is that, you know, I've even found some companies where the technology is that instead of giving somebody some medicine, you give them the frequency of the medicine. So what happens is. There's a patch that exists right now where they take the frequency of, say, psilocin, right? Yeah. They clone the frequency, and in a plasma lab, they put the frequency onto a crystal structure in a patch that has no medicine in it, just the frequency of psilocin. And you put this calm patch on, and a couple minutes later, you're just like, oh, wow, like, um, I feel calm. And this thing is like a battery it holds the crystals hold that frequency and then when you put it on your skin they start to emit it for 48 hours and so as i'm seeing this yeah and what's really crazy is there's a company they have an app and you speak into the app for 30 seconds it'll tell you if you have coronavirus with 95 percent accuracy they're up to now uh by the frequency of your voice and it'll tell you what vitamins and nutrients you're deficient in from the same 30 seconds and then let's when say is, is this stuff like it's people are using this yeah. already. The key is that instead of having to take an orange to get vitamin C, 
You can put on these headphones that Taylor Swift and some other people already have, and you get the frequency of vitamin C, cause an electrical reaction in your brain, cause the chemical reaction in your body as if you ate the vitamin C. And so in the future, this is going to be the delivery system. This is how you're going to affect people. There's even been, you know, frequency devices from the 1950s that are incredible that were like outlawed because, you know, they were too. And basically the idea is if you, every virus or everything has a frequency. So if you hit it with the opposite frequency, it just like neutralizes it out. Wow. And this is going to revolutionize everything. And I say psychedelics too, because like in addition to this, it's like you're going to put the psychedelics on. You're not going to have to have psilocin or a mushroom. You could be in Alaska in the middle of nowhere and put them on. And, no, and the government can't like say you can't access this frequency. So it's going to totally democratize eventually uh, psychedelics for society. That's so dope. And I think while we're talking about frequencies, I think a lot of times people don't understand frequencies energetically. They think it's very woo woo. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the spectrum of feelings and emotions, you'll see at the top is love, enlightenment, gratitude, joy. And then at the bottom, you'll see things like guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. yeah. And these are literally the lowest, lowest vibrations that you can be living your life from. Mm -hmm. And I think... I see it a lot with my clients and students yes. holding on to shit, bro, from decades ago. Yeah. Well, this is this is where ketamine, you know, the, the most advanced research, research, you said it was the default mode network over here, which either defaults a lot of times to fear or to creativity. And some people use it for creative purposes. But when in that, there's a mechanism called your lateral habenula. And this is Breakthrough Ketamine. It was in Nature Magazine. That lateral habenula is recording all the stress you've ever had in your whole life. When it becomes too much, your brain goes into burst mode, which is a completely different brain state. And when you're in burst mode, it shuts off your dopamine production. So you're getting no happiness, no motivation. The first time you do medical ketamine, it takes your brain out of burst mode, and you immediately start getting your dopamine back. So we get these, call, you know, Yale University called it 70 plus percent effective against treatment resistant depression, ketamine. And we get these phone calls the next day, Adam, myself, we've been getting them for years. We get, oh my God, my husband just cleaned the garage. Holy shit. He's claiming he's doing that for five years. Like he just, like whatever you're doing with the ketamine, keep going. But it's like they just unlock their brain state and they now are getting their dopamine. And then, of course, if you put psilocybin microdosing in there after that and keep the brain neuroplastic, that's the state. Every time I do microdoses, and I think yours are amazing, and there's just like people that do it in an elevated conscious way, you're going to get the best frequency in that medicine. But like to, to do microdosing and keep your brain neuroplastic, and maybe you have to do the ketamine or the ayahuasca or something to get the breakthrough in the beginning, but... To microdose, every time I do them, I think to myself, oh, wow, this is probably what people who are taking antidepressants want to feel like. It's that simple. Yeah. And I believe both of us microdosed before coming to the studio today. Yes. And for me, one of the reasons why I do that is because it allows me to be extremely grounded, extremely present tap deeply into flow state and extremely 
connected to our conversation. Yeah. There's no other external things. There's no distractions. It just has me here right now. Yeah. And it's not that I can't tap into that without the medicine. However, this medicine just gives me that gentle reminder. Yes. Hey, be here. Yeah. Right now. That's all that matters. It's really hard to remember to be in present moment awareness. And that's the state that I think these psychedelics put you in where there is no future. There is no past. You're really just in the present moment. And a lot of people go, oh, that's scary. But no, this is like all just the chatter that's in your mind unnecessarily. You're filtering out. And so that's a beautiful thing. And, but the reason I'm going really hard these days, like on really demanding the right for people to go inside their minds is I really think we need a critical mass of people to go inside with psychedelics, to emerge with more empathy, which is what we're missing. We're having an empathy crisis, but when people do psychedelics and they emerge, they really can put themselves in other people's shoes, which is what empathy is. They can think about, oh, what about the people 50 years from now? These thoughts that we need a critical mass of people vibrating at that frequency. And for me, we have to do that now. And the reason is, if you've uh, heard of Ray Kurzweil, the futurist, he used to be the, he started Singularity University. I think he's been a chief mm. science officer at Google, you know, so basically this is the man. And he's into longevity and everything like that. And so Kurzweil says that in the year 2045, which is not long from now, humans are going to reach singularity where their brain is going to be directly attached from their neurocortex, directly attached to the internet with the cloud of all information with AI running calculations on what to do. And he says in 2045, you have that set up, you will be 1 billion times more intelligent than we are right now. So it's like, wow, that's amazing, right? But at the same time, it's super scary because that means that anybody could disrupt the whole thing of life. You know, a kid could break up with their girlfriend or boyfriend and be like, I'm going to destroy Miami today. You can totally do it. So mm. we need to raise consciousness now and get people vibrating at a higher frequency so we can use that power for good. That. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That really isn't that far away either. It's like 22 years, 23 years. Um, wow. Uh, in regards to ketamine, I want to talk a little bit about KetMD. I haven't really actually shared my... So I have like one profound ketamine. I've done ketamine probably two or three times. Mm -hmm. And actually all of them have been with intention. However, there's this one time like two years ago where I did a ketamine therapy assisted therapeutic massage. Mm -hmm. And it was this husband and wife. And it was at my house in California and they had their altar. It was done with a lot of intention. I did some ketamine. And I was on their massage bed. And for the next three hours, bro, both of them, I felt these four hands. Two were like delicate and feminine. And then two were like strong and masculine. Like just digging into my body and releasing all of this tension, stress, and inflammation. And there's no way I would have been able to surrender into that experience without having the ketamine there. Absolutely. And I literally felt like I was just getting dissolved of different micro traumas. And wow. it was yeah, powerful. It's really, ketamine plus body work is supposed to be one of the, the most efficacious, best set in settings to do it because yeah. 
you know, ketamine is not a hallucinogenic. It's a psychedelic, but it's not a hallucinogenic. So the walls aren't melting and stuff, but it's a dissociative. So that means it dissociates your left and your right brain from communicating as they are, and it dissociates them, and they start to communicate however they want without your ego being involved in it. And when that's happening, incredible things can happen. And when the ketamine metabolizes in the hours after, it turns into this hydroxynorketamine, which is actually building new neural pathways in your brain. So every time you're doing it, you're like building up your foundation of new neural pathways around trauma patterns and things that people have. They might have like, I'm a failure, I, I'm an alcoholic, I've ruined my family, all these things that they pattern everything in their life through that pattern. And then the ketamine comes, it puts you in present moment awareness, and then it starts to go into the future, like create for what you want. And in that yeah. time, as it's doing that, not only is that amazing, but you have a state where if you change your lifestyle and you do microdosing or you go to the gym or you change your diet, all these things, meditation, you're totally open to them. And that's what I love about ketamine is people are coming to it not for enlightenment. They're coming because they want to break their depression, their PTSD, their anxiety. But then they get this enlightenment and they're like, oh, wait a minute. I want to live and like I think I'm going to take better care of myself and all these things start to happen right in that moment and so it's such a transformational thing that we've never had before in society and you know as you talked about you know there's you have your left brain and your right brain and according to Timothy Leary who wrote the paper eight areas of the brain he said you have four on your left that are your survival brain and four on your right that are your evolutionary brain and he's like, you can trigger any of these areas with certain compounds, frequencies. So on the, on the left side, you can trigger it with alcohol, and it'll exacerbate fear and things like that. Uh, on the right side, you have the fifth one with marijuana, the sixth one with mushrooms, the seventh one with ayahuasca and LSD. He said the highest level, the eighth area where you unlock your supercomputer is ketamine. Wow. Yeah, and I, when I read that, I was like, wow, you know, and I looked at the scans, and I could see that the brain, 80% of the brain was turned on with ketamine. I was like, this is the limitless drug. It just hasn't been accepted as that yet, but this is how you grow your brain. You're actually growing new dendrites, you know? So it's, we're such a lucky time that science has finally caught up. And I always joke and I'm like, I feel like aliens are going to, when, when enough people have the ketamine experience and raise their frequency, then the aliens are going to come and be like, okay, this is a cool place. Let's, you know, drop in here. But right now our frequency has been so, you know, right. materially based. That I have a question for you. So first of all, I want to say, as always, this is not medical advice. Never medical advice. Never medical advice. Zappy and I are simply just sharing stories and experiences and things that we believe to be truths. However, those aren't universal. And please, please always do your own research. All right, now that we got that out of the way. Uh, and w let me tell you one thing about that, though. However, if you are going to listen, just say, to the FDA, right, and say, well, I'm going to wait a little bit longer because the FDA, I mean, if this was safe, they would have already brought it out, right? And then I say, well, wait a minute. All these psychedelics are on Schedule 1, okay? Right. That means they have no medical benefit and they're highly addictive. That's what Schedule 1 means, okay? So if that's the case which psychedelics, they're neither of those. They're non-addictive and they have major medical benefit. However, why aren't cigarettes on schedule one? 
They have no medical benefit. They're highly addictive. Millions of people die. Why aren't they on there? Because this is bullshit. And this is where the mind army right now, we're calling bullshit now. Same thing goes with alcohol. Yeah. Same thing goes with a bunch of the shit that you see on stores and shelves. Uh, on shelves and stores. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, though. I mean, it's one of those things that is just like common courtesy to say, but it's like, consult your doctor. I don't really feel comfortable actually saying that. Right. The same doctor no. that has learned 19 hours of nutritional content in yeah. four years of med school and has just been taught to put Band-Aids over bullet wounds. I don't really want you to get your medical advice from that person. So maybe... Yeah, we, this is where we have to change the thinking because I right. thought the same thing when I saw the suicide hotline. They're like, we're making it 988. Isn't that awesome? And everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, that's fucking terrible. More people are quicker going to get into the system of talk therapy and antidepressants, which is where they take you on the suicide hotline. If psychedelics were made legal today, which the Mind Army is stating is our right, if it were, then people could access these things. We wouldn't have the suicide numbers that we have. We wouldn't have the addiction numbers that we have right now. And so we have to attack this with the things that we really know scientifically are proven. And with this much evidence from Yale University, Johns Hopkins, the Veterans Administration, we have to like call an emergency right now and say, we need these things now. We can't wait because people keep saying one of the, uh, com one of the Schedule 1 compounds that the uh, Mind Army is getting descheduled, that's our action, is ibogaine. Ibogaine is an African root that's known to break a heroin addiction, alcohol, fentanyl in one 12-hour session. And I took Lamar down to Mexico uh, to have a doctor do that with him in the movie. And it's been, for him a few years now where he's been clean and he told me even that when Kobe Bryant died as an addict, he was like, oh, I knew that if I used that day, everybody would give me a pass, you know? He's like, but I just didn't have the motivation to do it. And I was like, Holy, wow, you know? So this is transformational stuff. And the reason we need the Ibogaine right now is that we can't stop people from getting addicted anymore. They're getting injured, then they get a pain pill, and then they wind up having to get the pain pills on the street or something. It's got fentanyl. Now they're addicted to fentanyl. We have to use ibogaine to break those addictions, and we are demanding that the government deschedule that right now and then look at the most recent science that's come out and have a process for descheduling these things because the psilocybin in this crisis could disintermediate a lot. And you know, my point with the ibogaine was they they said, well, the evidence shows that 39 people died in the last 55 years from taking ibogaine. Like 39 people, like 100,000 die of suicide, another 100,000 of addiction in this country. You're worried about, you know, less than one person a year. That's like a peanut allergy. Like we have to get these things available and legal so we can study them and come up with who and who shouldn't have what it is and what is better for you and just sensibly do this because right now we're like headed off a cliff, but the psychedelics, you can see it. They're just like taking us in, you know, a, to the right, just like in the nick of time. Yeah. Yeah. We had Wiz Buckley here a couple months ago, who was a fighter pilot for the U S Navy for 15 years, came back, as you can imagine, ridiculous amounts of trauma, PTSD, and 
the only thing that saved him and got him out of being rock bottom and suicidal was ibogaine and he had to go to mexico to do it and it's just absolutely ridiculous i mean over over 40 veterans are taking their own life every day yeah and that wouldn't be the case if they had access to these real medicines um what i was going to ask you is one of the reasons i really gravitate towards mushrooms um you know i've sat with ayahuasca many times as well is because these are nature's compounds Mm -hmm. right yeah they're literally coming from the earth and they're here for a reason i believe they've been here for hundreds of thousands of years and that's why i'm such a big advocate for those when it gets to things like lsd um other mdma right things that are synthetic but also have tremendous benefit i'm curious to know what your point of view is on kind of like the natural compounds versus the synthetic ones sure you know like i said since frequency is everything now and we know that if you can create the same frequency you have the same effect so we're in an environment where you know most people don't know but lsd they think oh that's made in a lab it well it's it can be made in a lab but it's actually uh, a bacteria that grows on a rye seed that's where they took it from so if you use that chemical compound of that bacteria that's lsd so all these different things have their base in nature somewhere, I believe. Even ketamine, you know, and, and it's cool because each of these compounds has their own frequency itself. But when you put that frequency inside of you, you have to synthesize that in your own frequency. And so, for example, ayahuasca, the grandmother has that grandmother hug you energy while you're doing it. The ibogaine's like your, you know, stern grandfather going to kick your ass while you do it. The psilocybin's like the, you know, the, the mischievous cousins. That's you zappy. Know, you know, psilocybin that's, is zappy. That's like that fun uncle. Yeah. Like, let's put on some shades. Let's, like, do some fun shit. Let's not take it seriously because right. if we look, if we take some filters off, we're going to see that it's pretty miraculous and we can have fun and uh, enjoy it. So, yeah, I think, like, I love that they have the different frequencies. The ketamine, what I love about it is, like, where a plant has, where it's grown, the soil and everything, that frequency is in it, who harvested it, who brewed it. The ketamine is this micro crystal that's always the same. So nobody ever has a bad trip because the ketamine, regard, we say it's like having bumpers in a, with kids in the bowling alley, you know, you put the bumpers up, and it just won't let you go you try to be mm. really depressed and it will bump you back to the middle if you try to go manic it'll like put you back so interesting it's really an amazing compound and the fact that we get to access it you know the reason that they found it was they were doing uh amputations in the battlefield uh and they were using different anesthetics ketamine is the number one anesthetic used by oral surgeons on children right now because it's very fast acting. It doesn't affect your breathing. You don't have to have an anesthesiologist. So if a kid comes into an emergency room, stitch up in their mouth, they're going to give him ketamine. The kid's just going to sit there and let him do it. The kid's going to know, but he's not going to feel pain and he's going to be dissociated from the experience. So what happened was they were doing all these amputations. And then after the war, they looked and all the people who had the ketamine as the anesthetic didn't commit suicide. And all the other ones had huge incidents of suicide they were like what's going on they gave it to yale university they did an exhaustive study and they came up with a low dose of ketamine to build up enough neural pathways can even break treatment resistant depression 70 plus percent so Dude, that's sick. i never yeah. knew about that when when what war was that Do you know? uh i think vietnam okay so like the 70s yeah 
Okay. Yep. And uh, even maybe earlier than that, but because uh, it's been around for 60 years or so, uh, the ketamine. But like I said, this is a real wow. opportunity because with psilocybin and other psychedelics, you want to be in the right set and setting. You know, you want who you're with, your mindset to be proper so you can get the most out of the experience and not have a bad experience. And a lot of times when people have a bad experience, they don't know what to expect. They take too much. They go to a concert or something with 10,000 people. And of course, you're going to freak out, you know? This is like powerful energy. And so you have to be guided just like a car is a powerful energy. You don't just say, oh, you're 16 years old. Here's the keys. It's like you have to be taught how to navigate in a proper and productive way. I love that. Wait, but before you continue, because every time you speak, you give me like so many knowledge bombs and I don't want to forget all of them, cool. right? I want to nice. dive deeper on some of these things. So in regards to ketamine, I know you have, you founded KetaMD, correct? Yes. And you mentioned that the way that you guys serve that ketamine is with a lozenge. Yes. Can you just dive a little bit deeper how you integrate set and setting with KetaMD? Yeah, definitely. Um, what happened for me was when I found ketamine in 2015, I was basically trying to get everybody to do plant medicine. They were resisting me. And I was like, oh, I got to find a Western medicine approach. And I found the ketamine, convinced the doctor to let me do the protocol that I had seen. And he did. And I was like, this is going to change everything. You know, this is an incredible experience for Western society. So I started to advocate for ketamine, work with a doctor who was doing, started doing ketamine treatments with me. Probably one of the first uh, treatment centers and Adam Smith, who a lot of people know around in Miami, helped me with that clinic and subsequent clinics and all kinds of things. And what led to was uh, a nonprofit called the, uh, the Ketamine Fund, ketaminefund.org. And we were giving, we've given over 500 free treatments of ketamine to veterans uh, through that organization. And we have testimonials on the website. And some of these guys, their stories are, they were on 22 medications. They were homicidal, suicidal, trying to get in shootouts with cops and that kind of stuff. They were just, had been through Afghanistan and Kuwait, uh, uh, you know, Iraq, all these things. And the guy, I watched this guy do the ketamine, who I told you did the 22 uh, drugs a day. And he said after the treatment, he felt hope for the first time. And he's like, then he said he went home and he hugged his kids and he felt love for the first time in 10 years. And I was like, whoa, like we have to get this out. We have to basically like prove this thing. And so from that came Keta MD where we were, we were doing these treatments. But when the pandemic hit, we were like, okay, wait a minute. We're going to have to do these differently. People aren't going to want to go into a clinic and sit there with people breathing on them and get stuck with a needle and all this stuff and then have to sit there. And, you know, you have to be... It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot. You got to... It's expensive. You have to have somebody drive you to and from. And we we're like, in that moment when we saw the ketamine lozenges and we realized, hey, people could do this at home. They could be, you know, doctor could prescribe it over telemed and then a nurse could do the hour plus session with the person over telemed where we, they listen to our music that's really curated. Mm. Our whole experience is curated. And in that, in making that the best set and setting, being at home really is the best place to do it because you don't want to be in a medical type situation. You want to be in your room with somebody guiding you, watching you. We have a buddy in the house with KetMD. So somebody's there if there's any situation. Um, so 
you're safe, you know, you're safe and then you can lay back and go to sleep. It's like the perfect experience of this. And so I want to experience it. And let's make sure before I forget to link everything, we'll link everything in the show notes. Cause I know a lot of people are going to want to tap in and dive deeper yes. into that. I'd love you to go through the Keta MD um, protocol because it's so curated for a good experience that you're going to love it. And and then, you know, the situation goes that I think it's our job as the psychonauts too to try to make these compounds more like pharmaceuticals because the pharmaceutical companies, they're really not the ones that were blocking this the whole time. I know there's a lot of theories that, that they're the ones. They'll sell anything. If psilocybin mushrooms work, they'll just, they have the distribution, they'll sell that. And they're already starting to make their plays in psychedelics. But it was really the alcohol companies that put the clamp on psychedelics because they knew that this was going to disrupt drinking in some way it was going to change the drinking and then they knew that you could break an addiction and they were like that's our best customers are alcoholics like we do not want to like lose that market and so they buried this thing and so now here we are the internet social media the pandemic we are now all taking charge of our own mental health and realizing that there are some things that nature you know and this is like the mind army is basically saying you know trust nature you know go inside and don't take it seriously. That's like the credo of the mind army. Bro, after you said that, I had to Google how much alcohol sales are in America. Do you want to take a guess? In 2020, total alcohol beverage sales numbers in the United States. What do you think they were? Trillion dollars. Some crazy. So in 2020, total alcohol beverage sales in the United States, reached over $222 billion. Yeah. Worldwide, I'd say it's a trillion. Oh, 1,000% worldwide. Yeah, a trillion dollar market. Multiple trillions. They did not want disrupted. And they still don't really want it disrupted. But, you know, you can see, you know, alcohol companies going into cannabis as they have been. And they're going to be in psychedelics. And there's going to be pharma companies. But what I've done personally is that I got involved with a company called Psychoceutical. And it's like the best of psychedelics meets phar- the best of pharmaceuticals because we need these pharmaceuticals to be acceptable mm. to medical standards. Because a doctor, even if they know that psilocybin microdoses or psilocybin mushrooms are going to help you, they don't want to hand you a bag of mushrooms and go, I don't know, take two caps and a stem and let me know how it goes. You know, that's unacceptable for them. We need these to look like pills. You need to know the half-life. There has to be targeting. This is like what is needed. So psychoceutical, we have these two patents that work in the pharma space for drug delivery, for targeting and, and bioavailability that we've licensed for the psychedelic industry. And what I love about it is we're in coopetition with everybody because any psychedelic company can use these patents that we have to deliver their compound in a much smaller dose able to do microdosing to take the psychedelic effect out all these very interesting things is all about delivery and so right now if let's say psychedelic mushrooms became legal today it's like okay well how much is a dose we still need to get these things to where they can be more standardized and that the medical establishment because buckminster fuller the futurist he said don't try to destroy some system you don't like just build a better system and it'll just replace it and that's what psychedelics are doing with the medical system right now. I love that. That's so on point. Just to come back to the topic of alcohol, 
So in 2020, global market size of alcoholic beverages amounted to over $1.5 trillion. And we wonder why these massive alcohol companies fear magic mushrooms. The the compound that's going to help people stop being alcoholics, right? And that's it right there. It's very threatening. It really is. But, you know, they can get in on the game too. There's going to be all kinds of these... You know, like there is in beer, there's all these craft beers. And now in marijuana, there's craft. And I think, you know, the stuff that you guys do, as you set the standard for quality and consciousness and you have your brand, you're going to be able to expand out as, you know, the Biden administration recently said that they wanted the health and human services to be ready for MDMA and psilocybin to be ready in the next two years to be available and that they were looking for some kind of a plan from HHS. So this is like super powerful. I've never heard them give a timeline. I've never heard them talk about this. And then even more recently, you and I were talking about before how the DEA tried to schedule, you know, five more tryptamines and a couple more DMTs. And two times they got so much pushback because we're in post-Michael Pollan time and the politicians and the doctors, they're not like just party lines. So in this moment, they were pushed back the DEA and they said, we're going to leave this to health and human services to figure out what the protocol is here, which I think is absolutely what they should do. They should defer it to at least somebody who has the uh, guidance on what would be, you know, uh, standard. So I'm, I'm excited. And I feel like, you know, the things that you guys are doing, you're probably going to have a million people at some point doing your specific protocol because of how you're, you know, kind of integrating your yourself and your products into this ecosystem of psychedelics. And so I want to say lastly, in case we're short on time, that the opportunity for people watching this thing right now to participate in publicly traded companies in the psychedelic space, pre-IPO companies, micro brands and things like that, this is a huge time. There's, It's very rare that a new trillion dollar category comes along like you said like alcohol this is a trillion dollar category psychedelic medicine and all the things that it's going to disrupt and play a role in so if you are hearing this podcast right now you are early enough that if you buy good companies and you just put them away in this category you are going to have your entire retirement from the investments you made because this is like owning the pharma companies in the 1920s or the biotech companies in the 1990s. You just had to be early. You know, you could be, it could be Pfizer, it could be Bayer, it could be Genzyme. It's like, as long as you were early, and here we are, the people with the knowledge, we have this information right now. And the institutional investors, they can't even buy into this yet because it's not legal federally. So if you get positioned now because you were listening to this, probably that's your kid's future. Hey, I love that. And by the way, Unless you have to go somewhere. I'm not trying to wrap this okay, up cool. right now. Cool, cool. Uh, no, this is too fucking good. And to be honest with you, we haven't even we haven't even touched on a lot of the things uh, I want to touch on with you. It's going to be like a Joe Rogan, you know, like... That's, that's the way we do this shit. Yeah, I know. I've actually cool. gotten so many divine downloads for my own mission during this conversation, um, which I'm really excited to, like, just bring into life. Nice. Um, cool. So... Let me kind of backtrack. 2010, 2010 yep. is when you kind of 
started to finally answer that call for ayahuasca, you went to Peru in 2011, right? When did you kind of officially leave Wall Street and that lifestyle? Mm. Uh, that was in the early 90s. I left that. Uh, what happened was I was working on Wall Street. I was a vice president at Bear Stearns, you know, like a big, you know, Walt investment bank and had all the trappings of success and everything like that. But I was, I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. And on Wall Street, they pretty much tell you, you have to recommend these stocks or we're not going to be behind you if something goes wrong. So even if you like this and that and this and you think it's great, you're kind of on your own, you know, and it's very difficult. So I, I left that. I wound up getting into the infomercial business uh, where they had deregulated television. You can make an infomercial, make your own air, air it on TV, buy the airtime. So a friend and I, we broke out of Wall Street and we went to uh, create these infomercials about companies of uh, our clients and we were featuring them on television and doing marketing things for them. And I wound up getting on the Today Show with Katie Couric and I gave out her 800 number at the end, which she was totally pissed off about. But hundreds of phone calls came in. It was like Diana Ross was watching. No way. And like Time Warner Cable. And so I, I built this... Um, like an infomercial business. And in the later in the 90s, around 1997, I saw the internet coming and I was like, wow, this is like the future of direct marketing where you can really track stuff. This internet looks like it's going to be really cool. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to spend a few years in the internet, I, what am I going to do? Where should I position myself? And I thought if I could get one of these category generic domain names that like beer.com or diamond.com or creditcards.com, these kind of domains, I would instantly have credibility. And as more people came on the internet and did commerce and everything, I would rise with the tide. So I went and started to buy these categories, names from people that had them and built them up and sold them off very successfully. My first- What was your bet? I was going to ask you, what, <laughs> what is like the, what is kind of like the biggest- Margin, like the biggest profit you made on one of those flips? Um, well, you know, when I first did it with beer.com, I, I paid the kid who owned it $80,000 for 80% of it. And then I window dressed it up. And a couple months later, I wound up selling it to Interbrew for $7 million. So I was like, oh, wow, this is like a good business. And I got to go back to the, you know, the well. And I started to buy more of them and do similar deals. And, um, but I do have a fish that got away story, which was part of what I tried to work on in my own psychedelic experiences with ketamine, which is one of them that I bought after the internet bubble burst was creditcards.com. And I built it up for a few years and made money at it. And my partners uh, wanted to sell it and diversify into other things. And I was apprehensive about it, but I really couldn't stop it. And we sold it very successfully for a few million dollars at the time. The guy who bought it from us, he just did the same thing he was doing and just kept going and wound up selling it to American Capital two years later for $133 million. And so I was like, holy shit. Like just, just to be clear, they're just buying the domain name? No, they were buying a business. This had okay. a lead gen. It was like a search engine, how to buy credit, how to find the best credit card. And what was the beer business? Was that mostly the domain they were buying? Or? Yeah, they were buying the opportunity to use the domain as a marketing tool you know, put it under beer caps and work it into all their, you know, database building that the beer companies wanted to start doing on their with their customers. So, yeah, this is like a really, it's a fun space, but I think, you know, even probably my psychedelic experiences early that showed me 
you know, that expanded my mind to look beyond just like what people were telling me. And when I saw these trends, I wasn't like, oh, well, they haven't approved this yet. Or if, if this was so great, business people would be doing it. But like, I realized that these are new categories, you know, the internet, psychedelic medicine, legal cannabis. These are moments where if you get positioned, it's just, it's like a no brainer. It's like people got, who got into, you know, oil or cars when they first came out. It's like, you're, you're a visionary, bro. There's a lot of talk, and a lot of our talk has been around psychedelics, plant medicines, and how these can really heal humanity and the mental health epidemic that we're currently experiencing, right? And in addition to that, something that I don't think gets talked about enough is that even if you feel good, even if you feel happy, these medicines still have a ton of value to yeah. offer. And some of the high-level executives and entrepreneurs that I work with, one of the commonalities that they share with me is that their businesses, their revenue dramatically increase. And more importantly, it's coming from a place of peace because Beautiful. now they're more tapped into flow. And similar to Aaron Rodgers' experience, now they're spreading that self-love onto people in their team. So they're not leading from fear. They're not leading and causing resentment in their organization. They're creating a completely new culture. Yes. And, Incredible. and yeah. it's that culture of love that is going to amplify not only ourselves, but our businesses, our family lives, yes. and everything else that we come in contact with. Yeah. This is like the new HR solution is psychedelic medicine. And I have been doing it during the pandemic. Uh, I went around to some top Silicon Valley companies, executive teams, and we did a group ketamine uh, experience where we treated it like a modern day plant medicine ceremony. We had everybody cleared by the doctor. They had their own prescription, their own medicine. And we, we put a group intent on it. We listened to the same music and we held the space together. And those are some of the most powerful experiences. And then when it's over, we came out after and we shared a little bit. We had some good high conscious frequency food. And people were really vibrating. And the follow-up from the executives, because these were executive teams, the follow-up was they said, we have so much cohesion right now in our company after doing that. It would have taken us a month out and outward bound to try to get this kind of cohesion. And we did it in three hours using this breakthrough treatments and things. And you, and what's cool is in that modern day plant medicine ceremony, the intent and the ESP that can happen in that and all of the sharing and all of the empathy that comes out of that, you feel that you move forward with it. And that's what's so exciting to me is that, like you're saying, this is like for a company, uh, for anybody. There's a, a company called Hemp Lucid out in Salt Lake City, Utah. They're a, uh, CBD company. They're part of the Lamar movie. One of the people came with us and did Ibogaine, Chase Hudson. And he treated his whole company to ketamine treatments at a local clinic and said, this is HR. This is about we all have healing that we need to do. If you want it, it's available for you, everyone in the company to do. And they've had, I think, like 35 people in their organization. They're super tight and they can go through any kind of storms and all that stuff. So it's like, this is what's happening. And even here in Florida, we've done, you know, some local groups and it's really powerful, <clears throat> you know, yeah. and then to do that and then to follow up with microdosing and somebody like yourself, that's going to like, as they're neuroplastic thinking, Oh shit, 
should I drink this thing in a can that they go, oh, you know what? Like, does it resonate with me? Uh, no, it doesn't. And then put it down, but have that mindset that you're cultivating with people of how to integrate it in your life. And that, I, I, that, that inspires me to actually share this with you. Every single person that's on my team, whether they're a videographer, an editor, or anything else, they all are either former students in the microdosing mastermind or part of the process of working with me is being in the mastermind mm -hmm. and building a relationship with these medicines, building a relationship with yourself. And I really love creating a culture and ecosystem that is aligned with those values. Yes. And it's beautiful to see that unfold because in addition to that, everyone else who's helping, who's involved is much more connected to our mission. Yes. Right? The because they've connection. Yeah. They've gone through it or they're currently experiencing it. They're witnessing all of these massive breakthrough breakthroughs. Having the direct experience. That's the key. Is like, you know, even in meditation, they always say, hey, you know, you can either talk about the strawberry all day or eat the strawberry and then talk about it. Same thing with meditation, same thing with psychedelics. It's like the direct experience is so critical. And that's why, you know, I get this, I have this moniker as the psychedelic concierge, you know, and I think it's a cool title because it's like, if you think about what a concierge does, <clears throat> they don't like cook the meal or, you know, get you the tickets or whatever, but they just talk to you and they understand, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? Do you like music? You want wine, indoor, outdoor? And then they make a recommendation. So the psychedelic concierge, we ask people, you know, what are, what's your intent? What's, what are your traumas that you're trying to overcome? And based on that, this is going to be your formula. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like very, this is a cool thing about psychedelics is they are unique to everyone. Your program should be worked out between yourself and people that can guide you for what's going to be best for you. And yeah. so to have you and like all your students and people that are like really like shining examples, like you meet these people, like I've met, you know, a lot of people in your organization now and like, they're like got a bubble to them. They're on the point. They're not dropping the ball. It's like, they're just very engaged. And so how are you going to get that engagement? It's like, you can't, how are you going to get that empathy or that ability to, you know, be cohesive? It's going to be very difficult because I don't think our brains right now are set up to handle the level of technology and information that's hitting us. Yeah. We need some type of evolutionary leap of our brain. And I really believe ketamine is doing that evolutionary leap because yeah. you see the whole brain lit up and you're like, wow, like this could leap us forward and mute out some of the non, you know, information. Because I was going to say that experience I told you about was creditcards.com where I didn't get my $50 million that right. day. I was, I had a chip on my shoulder after that. I was like a little bit agitated, you know? And I went into the ketamine and I thought after I'd done it a few times, I said, oh, I'm just going to like kind of try to focus on this and see. And it really wouldn't let me get into any dark spaces or anything like that. But I had this realization when I came out of it, I was like, you know what? I wouldn't have made the reality of truth movie if right. I had had that win. I'd probably be, you know, smoking a cigar in some back of a boat or some garbage, you know? And I was like, no, I'm so much happier that the reality of truth came out and that 
you know, uh, 15 million people have seen that now. Somebody calculated that it's led to more than a million people having a psychedelic experience of that movie. So it's like, you know, I, it's so clear, but I couldn't get clear until that. And then what I noticed is when I would see the commercial on CNBC or whatever, it wouldn't trigger me the same. It was like mm. the charge wasn't on it. And I think wow. like I've had a lot of people uh, come for like addiction treatment uh, and try to work with ketamine as part of that program, which is very successful. And in that, they all say that they have this realization that like the bad things that happen to them, they happen to them, but that's not them. Mm. They're detached from it. Yeah. That's huge. Bro. Yeah. And it doesn't have the same charge anymore after it. That's what's so cool. It's not that you forgot, you know, no, it just doesn't have a charge on it. And yeah. that's freeing of people. I think that's a great that's a great point, and it'll allow people to achieve so much more harmony and inner peace. Is understanding that there's nothing, absolutely nothing, you can do to change the events from the past. No. However, you can change your emotional attachment to those events, and you might be holding on to anger, resentment, guilt, and shame from things that happened during your childhood, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. By detaching from those emotions and being grateful that you actually went through those experiences because they helped you be the human being that you are right now. Mm -hmm. You would not be here in this present moment if it wasn't for all of those trials, tribulations, obstacles, adversities that you faced. Yes. And that's fucking peaceful. That yeah. is perspective that we all need to acquire to just feel more happy. Yeah. And I think most people logically can put themselves there, but then they get yanked out of it immediately, some loop. But this is where the psychedelics, when they do set these new neuroplastic patterns and you get the neurogenesis, then you're just, you're just not connected. The same pathway is not set anymore. And I think like for our society right now, um, this is a godsend that this is you know available to us. And, and I, I even when I was making the reality of truth, I would ask very religious people like top evangelists and things. I would say, um, don't you think God all knowing would have put some stuff here to help us tap into spirituality and break addiction? Wouldn't that just make sense? And they're like, uh, yeah, shit. you know, and you see their face, but it's like, yeah, come on. Like this is from the earth. This is from nature. And you know, specifically psilocybin, I don't know, some people don't know, but like th we, this stuff is closer to human beings than it is to a plant. Okay, this is spores. You know, these could have come from a meteorite hitting the earth from someplace that these spores happen. And they say that the, you know, with the ocean water and algae coming together with psilocybin and life is created and here we are, the mycelium underneath the ground running the network of everything on the planet. It's like this is the most advanced technology that's ever existed. And humans made a bad mistake in the late 60s, and they decided that they were going to solve it with technology right. and science and got really into that space. And I think right now we have the opportunity to take it back so that like a couple hundred years from now when people look back, they're going to go, oh, that's the society at the turn of the century that went back to nature. Facts. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I want to be that as opposed to, you know, the legacy of, oh, those are the people that, you know, disregarded nature and thought they were above it. I love that. I think that's another huge reason 
for people's depression or unhappiness is this illusion of detachment and disconnection from everything that's around them. The trees, the sky, the birds, nature, other humans. Mm -hmm. You know, once you realize this idea of oneness is real and that we are all part of this unique creation, right? It creates so much more connection and it removes that illusion of separation that was causing us so much pain and loneliness and despair. And we're able to actually realize, oh shit, like I'm here for a reason. And I actually play a valuable part in this whole ecosystem. Yes. It's dope. Couldn't even cool. exist without you, you know, never mind. Even a gnat, the whole universe couldn't exist without. But like you, why did you manifest? This is the question you have to ask. Why did you manifest yourself into this physical reality? Mm. Why did you want to do that and come through the energy of your mother? Like why? And, you know, like they say, the the meaning of life is just getting to know the self. That's the whole purpose is to know yourself. And these psychedelics help us to block out these filters to better know ourselves, to know our own frequency. So we can just say yes and no based on what resonates. And if something resonates different for somebody else, no problem. But this is how we have to make our judgments. It can't anymore be around physical reality. It's going to have to be at a deeper level. So I like what you just said, too. Like everything you're saying right now is like it's just the same frequency so it's it's triggering like new new thoughts and topics because i get asked all the time how do i find my purpose what is the purpose of life right these heavy questions Mm -hmm. and what you just said was really profound we're on this journey of just self-discovery and learning more about when psychedelics in the late 60s hit music and culture Everything changed. The Beatles went from yada, yada, yada to like some cool music that was Mm. trippy and stuff. Like everything took that tone. Yeah. From the psychedelics. So when the psychedelics now hit hip hop and all country and all these things and they're much higher conscious, maybe they're talking about consciousness or feelings and things like that. It's once again about to change everything. And uh, now that we have AI built in to create art and, you know, help us to augment, it's like, wow, best time ever. Miracle, best time ever to be alive. And um, I think if you're not seeing it as an absolute miracle, you owe it to yourself right now to go to a psychedelic neutral place in the United States where this has been decriminalized so you can feel really good, unconstrained, sit with the right person in the right set and setting and have an experience direct it's going to change your life and it's going to change your whole family's life and your lineage. Mm. This man right here, because that's something that you see often in ayahuasca circles too, whenever I say ceremony uh, or just coaching and consulting people. It's like every single human being has trauma. Some might be more severe than others, right? And a lot of these traumas and emotional wounds come from our parents, come from our grandparents, come from our ancestors, right? And it's our responsibility to instead of absorbing and passing on these traumas to our kids and our grandchildren, we actually have the ability to face that shit. Yes. And to lean into the discomfort and actually 
heal those wounds, move on from them, and create generational health yeah. rather than generational trauma. Yes. Right? Amazing. Yes. And, and that's know, powerful. Have you heard about um, the, there was a thing that they did with mice that proved that trauma stays 13 generations. So they gave these mice, they showed them a purple light and they shocked them. They kept showing them a purple light and shocking them. Then when they had kids, they showed the kids the purple light and they go into a PTSD response. Their grandkids, PTSD, 13 generations down. So this wow. is like in your DNA. You have to get rid of it. How are you going to get rid of it? We have a pineal gland in our brain, okay? This is made up of crystals in there, okay? That are reading the frequencies of the environment, your inner frequencies, and modulating you. And as the uh, psychedelic shaman ninja Adam Smith says, oh, I know you're going to have on your show, he says everybody's just regulate, trying to regulate their, their nervous system. That's why they're doing sugar or coffee or heroin or whatever. They're just trying to regulate their nervous system. So if we know that and we know that these things can regulate and that they are adaptogens like the mushrooms and these psychedelics, they're what I would call adaptogens. If you need more of it, it gives you more. If you need less, it gives you less. Mm -hmm. So it's like this is really about peak performance. And like I was saying with the corporate, with athletes like Aaron Rodgers. This is a peak performance thing. This is, of course, if you have depression or addiction, you need to lean into this hard. But if you are like Michael Pollan, you're a successful journalist, you're making millions of dollars, you're on top of the world. If you did change your frequency and you hit that pineal gland and you turn that thing on and you were aware of more of the field, your life's just going to be better. And that is like tapping you into that miracle. And they say that, you know, things like fluoride can calcify your pineal gland and things like that. But for me, it's all about frequency, everything. And to come back to what I was talking about with the company that has the frequency stuff, in agriculture, what they do is before they're about to water the field, they put it through a frequency device that structures the water before they spray the field. And the, the plants need no fertilizer, no pesticides, and they have higher yields than the other fields because what they do is they put, let's say, the predator to your corn is, let's say, a grasshopper, and if the crow eats the grasshopper, they put the crow frequency on the water and they spray the field, and the bugs just stay away. Mm. So We this, need to do that shit instead of spraying glyphosate on all of our fucking crops. Mm-hmm. Bill Frequency. Gates, I'm talking to you, you fucking crook. Hey, Bill Gates, you're a little bitch. <laughs> and I'm looking right into your eyes as I say this, bro. You are just a terrible human being. I don't know how you look at yourself in the mirror every night. That's probably why Belinda left you. Or is it Melinda? I'm not sure. That's probably why your le wife left you. She probably wanted to leave you way earlier, but she didn't want to give you a bad reputation in the media. But it's too late for that shit, Bill Gates. Yeah. I'm looking at you, dog, trying to buy up all this farmland in America, and you're putting all that toxic shit, all your fucking plant-based meat, bro, that is all genetically modified bullshit, and you're claiming to help the environment? You're a fucking dirty crook, bro. Don't even get, in, don't even get me started with the whole pandemic, Bill Gates. Coming for your ass. And if you want to sit on the podcast and have a real conversation rather than sit in your fucking mansion in Seattle being a little... Come, come right here. This seat is warm. Zappy warmed it up for you. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only pray that Bill Gates gets whatever the right psychedelic compounds are for him and that he can 
raise his empathy because I think if he raised his empathy, you know, he'd be using frequency on the farmland. He would be diversifying. He'd be, you know, in a different brain state. So I feel like, and it's, I don't even know if it's his fault because he probably consults the best doctors in the world and they're like, we don't have all the information in on the mushrooms yet. You know, and it's like, no, that's bullshit. And I asked Bill Gates, CEO, the CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I was with him at an event in Los Angeles, and I said, what is Bill Gates' stance on psychedelics? And he's like, well, I think he's, you know, open to it. He's a man of logic and science. I was like, well, he needs to get some of the more recent science because this is undeniable. And if he's not advocating for this as part of what he's doing and he's trying to help the world, it's not going to happen fast enough. And the guy oh. was, you know, he was a little bit shocked I came at him so hard on psychedelics. But I do believe even, you know, Dr. Evil or, you know, any of these James Bond villains, if they get the right psychedelics, they're going to come out with more empathy and we're all going to benefit. Because if they, when they switch, they can affect so many people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So Bill Gates, I know I said some harsh words <laughs> to you and... um I'm not taking any of those words back. I still think you're a little bitch. That's probably why your wife let, left you. Um, but but if you want to talk about psychedelics, if you want my assistance, I got you, Bill Gates. Dog, man. Yeah, you still got it. You know what it is? It's like um, when I see what's happening in Ukraine right now, and, I, and people are like, oh, we got to stop the war and everything. I'm like, of course we got to do that. But these people need ketamine treatments that are refugees like these mm. people have serious ptsd let's get a million people there to do uh ketamine treatments that would really make a difference on the ground i'm pretty sure that they're starting to implement ayahuasca with some of the refugees in the uh middle eastern crisis mm. specifically with cool. the israeli and palestinians there's so much generational trauma violence and hate yeah and it's so sad because these kids they're just innocent children and they're being brought into the world and they're being forced to kind of have these beliefs that aren't really their beliefs mm -hmm. and they hold on to these their whole life and it's so sad man like I've spent time in Israel and like there's so much love there. The media just blows shit out of proportion. But I think, you know, implementing this medicine with those types of populations yes. where there's been generations of fucking trauma. Yes. It's going to be so powerful. Really powerful. And, I, and this is like semi-breaking news. But during this time, I wrote a screenplay called Psychedelic Soldier. And Psychedelic Soldier is asking the important ethical question that I think we have to ask now, which is, is it okay to give somebody something without their knowledge if, say, world peace was in the balance? And in Psychedelic Soldier, it's about some rogue Israeli agents who wind up kidnapping a psychedelic advocate and they want to put uh, psychedelics in the Palestinian water to try to root out the terrorists. And Bro. And it, so it's hitting what you're saying, but like, I want to let you know the twist at the end that I think makes, you know, audiences walk out and say, well, what would I do? What's the ethical thing to do? Because who knows, maybe they're giving psychedelics in, you know, in, in a war situation like Ukraine, maybe they're pumping frequency, negative frequency in there. So it's like, we have to have these conversations. And in this case, in the movie, um, the person does the right thing and they put the 
psychedelics in the Palestinian and the Israeli water and peace happens. So it's just an adjustment. These are like tech technologies, ancient technologies that we get to use in our modern moment and solve everything because it's like so simple. That's what's great is you probably know this, the, the medicines are so good. Your psilocybin mushroom, they're so good. They're doing most of the work for you. Yeah. And yeah. that's fun when you're in this the integration business. obviously still matters, but bro, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to look into this. Yeah. Okay. So building peace with psychedelics, here's what happened when Palestinians and Israelis took ayahuasca together. This happened in 2021. Yep. And I just want to read some of these quotes from people who were under the influence of the medicine. A Palestinian participant in one ayahuasca ceremony recalled a vision in which he had this weird experience of being in the body of an Israeli soldier. The whole experience was the eye coming down to look for shooting. And as the trigger is pulled, I could feel him after. This is painful and this is not an easy life after. A Palestinian similar, similarly described a vision of a past life in which he was a Jewish combatant who was killed in an unspecified conflict. Both of those are basically just coming back to compassion and empathy. empathy yeah. They're able to see the other person's story through their eyes. And that provides compassion. That provides fucking yes. oneness. Yes. <clears throat> well, wow. one, one, one study that we're going to do, the mind army is going to do, this is also breaking news, but we're going to do a study where we believe ketamine can reverse racism. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up, we'll have a white racist, a black person who's a racist, a terrorist, a, you know, all these different types of folks that have, you know, deep rooted programs of racism. And we're going to show them in a clinical study, we're going to show them different images and watch their brain. And then we're going to give them a ketamine experience. And we're going to watch the brain again to those images and another and watch it and we know that that 13 generational link with the trauma will be broken in there. And so this is going to be the first methodology for breaking racism that we all have some portion of in our tribalism because we came from tribes. And so when somebody came and they weren't in your tribe, you'd look, your radar would be stronger. Oh, what's going on here? That tribalism doesn't serve us anymore. We're living in a global world where everyone's equal. So we have to break those patterns and for ketamine to be the thing that gently breaks those patterns and takes people forward. I think it's like, I can't wait to watch it go down. That's fucking wild. I guess we're all in some way a little racist. And that's a hard thing to obviously admit. It's probably going to trigger some people. But whether it's you being... A middle-aged white man. You might say phobic in some way of right. different types of people that aren't you. you whether know? it's a middle-aged white man, whether it's me, whether it's someone who's covered in tattoos, whether it's someone who's black, whether it's someone who's Mexican. Like, we all have these preconceived judgments and perceptions of how certain people should be and should act. And the more that we can remove some of those things from our mind and actually create our own narratives, our own realities, our own stories and our own experiences. That is exactly how we're going to end racism and just overall hatred in humanity. Yes. 
That's fucking Sick. dope. Um, dude, this conversation has been literally awesome. I bro. love I love talking to somebody like you who's not like going, well, wait a minute. Like, wouldn't you know, you're already like turned so many people on and have this group vibrating at this consciousness that like when I'm running into you or your people or other people that I'm meeting now, it's like we're all vibrating at a certain frequency. So we're finding each other. We're not even looking for each other. You yeah. and I didn't have to do anything that was crazy. to get together. You that know? was so dope. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of finish off. Where can people connect with you and, and, and find your work and stuff like that? Yeah. So follow me on social media for sure. Zappy Zappelin, Z-A-P-P-Y, Zappelin, Z-A-P-O-L-I-N. On there, go to mindarmy.org. Um, and yeah, get involved because we're doing activations coming up with street teams and celebrities and you know, just really using the media to look at itself, you know, and cause these moments where it looks at itself. And what I think is so fascinating is that AI, you know, is it, it would stomp out psychedelics, but because it doesn't have consciousness, it doesn't realize that these are going to work against it. And so it's like, oh, the news is good. The news is good. People are happier. Let's give them the psychedelics. It's curing disease. Okay, let's do it. But they don't know that there's a consciousness shift that is going to alter how AI comes out. And so it's just so cool to watch psychedelics be woven into every aspect of life right now. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. My man. So grateful for you. Hey, if you're listening, watching, thanks for listening until the end. You're a fucking legend. Make sure to go follow my guy Zappy on all the platforms. Hit up KetaMD. This dude is doing some great work. And, uh, yeah, if you also like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. That helps us. You know, word of mouth is our oxygen. So... You don't want to die. You know, we need to breathe. So leave a review, share the show with a friend, and uh, much love. Peace. Peace.